Meatballs, meatballs. Meatballs, meatballs. Podcast number 16. This is Meatball Fulton, and here's Jim Gurney. This story is about an island inhabited by humans and dinosaurs. It's based on a picture book called Dinotopia, which I wrote and illustrated. I'm not going to read the story aloud or try to describe the pictures. Instead, I would like to invite you to a special kind of movie where you'll hear voices and sounds and music, and you'll even see the pictures all inside your mind. So please, if you can, Turn down the lights, settle into a comfortable chair, close your eyes, and imagine yourself in the middle of the ocean on a sailing ship in 1862. Your ship is pounding into the waves, and a terrible storm is closing in on you. We had been two years departing Boston on a voyage of discovery which I hoped would distract my son, Will, from the recent loss of his mother and assuage, somehow, my own grief. We were sailing in uncharted waters when a typhoon struck with sudden fury. It ripped loose the topsail and brought a spar down, shrouds and all, with a glancing blow on my shoulder that left me nearly senseless. I do recall Wills pulling me loose before the foaming surge carried us both into the mountainous waves. I can still feel the sensation of being lifted bodily to the surface by a dolphin. With the last of our strength, we clung to the fins of the dolphins who carried us into calmer green seas. I did an adaptation of Dinotopia and The World Beneath. Both books are by the author-illustrator James Gurney. They're essentially picture books, wonderful illustrations of a mythical island where humans and dinosaurs live together in peace and harmony. They're very positive books. Back in the 90s, I was contacted by Turner Publishing, part of Ted Turner's media group. They asked me to do an audio adaptation of Dinotopia. I wasn't familiar with the book, so they sent me a copy. And I loved the story, the illustrations, the message. It was very kind and compassionate, especially for a book about humans and dinosaurs living together. Not one person got torn limb from limb, and no humans got eaten. But I was busy with my own stuff, so I told the Turner people, the only way I'd even consider doing it is to have total creative control. And they said, fine. I was amazed. Later, the head of Turner Publishing told me that they had originally contacted several production places, including the BBC, and everyone either said, you can't do an audiobook of a picture book, or they asked, how would you like us to do it? But when I said, I'll do it, but only if I can do it my way, the head of Turner Publishing told me, I knew we had the right person. Amazing. Here on Dinotopia, my eyes have been opened to the wonders of a new world. 
With those words, I completed the first volume of my journals on the island of Dinotopia, the land where people and dinosaurs live in peaceful interdependence. <sighs> Dinotopia, what a remarkable island. I live in Waterfall City, the most beautiful city in the world. Surrounded by waterfalls, canals with gondolas, cobbled streets, parks, museums, a library that would more than rival that of Alexandria. Sometimes I almost forget and think I'm in Paris or in Venice, sitting in a sidewalk cafe watching people pass, and then a dinosaur will come walking by, and I'll think if I'm dreaming, please don't wake me. No, this is not a dream. My name is Arthur Dennison. My son, Will, and I were shipwrecked here in 1862. During the first four years on this island, Will passed the tests that allowed him to ride on the largest flying creatures that ever lived, the skybacks. At first, my curiosity drew me not up into the sky, but rather deep into the earth. I was one of the first, at least in recent times, to journey into the forgotten caverns of the world beneath and return to tell the tale. That was the opening to the second Dinotopia book, The World Beneath. Now, getting back to the first book, since the people on the island have been there for generations, living cut off from the rest of the world, they've developed their own language. When Arthur and his son Will are shipwrecked and first arrive on the island, they have a difficult time communicating with the locals. I had fun inventing a Dinotopia language. Alec, I am Arthur Dennison. This is my son, Will. Ah, no dino. Well, welcome, Will Alex. You speak English. English, English. Can you call it English? English, English. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hi. Some 15 mothers English. 15 mothers? Your ancestors landed here 15 generations ago. Uh, 15 were now. Would not that be some 400 years ago? 400. Can you tell me what you I, 400's big. Ah, I see. What island is this? It is named Dinotopia. Dinotopia? I, I, it's Dinotopia. It's Lono Sink, too. Tell me, are all the humans here descended from shipwrecked men and women? Aye, be laddie ashore safely, be brought by the dolphin. Tell us about the dinosaurs. Let's see, Dinotopia must be all dinosaur, all manners, and all must be peaceful, live as equals they be with the likes of you and we. The dinosaurs live as equals with humans? Aye, they be, Arthur, equals. But if the herbivores exist in such large numbers, what of the great carnivores? I cannot imagine a world more... Terrifying than one heavily populated by Tyrannosaurus rex. Tyrannosaurus? There be some. But not here. <laughs> no, no, no. Why didn't you say that? 
Arthur has discovered caves beneath the island, but to get to some of them, he needs a submersible, a submarine. So Arthur, Oriana, Lee Crab, and Bix, a small dinosaur that can speak, arrive at the Blackfish Tavern, a place inhabited by, well, not exactly pirates, but close. Is that where we'll find your submersible? Aye, and we can dry off and refresh ourselves. Oh, good. I am soaking wet. The now oily water gave up a rotten smell of dead fish and black muck. A pungent coal smoke stifled the air. Ah, the quaint scent of coal soot, dark muck, and long-deceased fish. Is that our destination? Aye, there she be. The Blackfish Tavern. <clears throat> filled with flotsam and jetsam, scallywags and scavengers. Delightful. Ah, they're a scurvy lot. So mind you don't jabber about our little treasure hunt. But we'll have extra hands, you know what I mean. Crab. This is not the kind of place for Miss Oriana. Oh, come now. She's a hearty lass. If it gets us on our submersible, I shall be perfectly happy. See? What did I tell you? She's one of the boys she is, eh? My, that I be. <laughs> All right, but be careful. Oh, it's not that bad, really. Really? Trust old crab here. Trust old crab. The Blackfish Tavern raised its scaly mass out of the black water as if it had just surfaced and might at any minute sink down again. The dock was lined with submersibles designed to scour the ocean floor in search of sunken treasure. Huddled in the flickering light were rough-hewn men, along with armored dinosaurs bristling with spines and scales. No, there's a fine lot of scalies, wouldn't you say? Scalies? Crab's affectionate name of the dinosaurs. Oh, no offense, Bix. I don't have scales. <laughs> then what do you call humans? Oh, skinnies. Ah, the scalies and the skinnies. <laughs> How poetic. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Ahoy, my dog! Why, you black-hearted bucket? Hey, bless me, it's good to see the lights of you still helming a barnacle bucket. Are you making sport of me, you bottom feeder? Hey, tie us up there, will you? Oh, I'm glad to clap an eye on you. That compass you swapped me wasn't worth the scrap. That time you spent hey, love with me. Yep. You're using up too much air. I want you to meet my lubberly mates here. Up. Oh, better give you a hand, man. I can manage, thank you. As you choose. And you, sir? What be your business? Well, we're here we're on a biologists from Seropolis. This gentleman is my assistant. Uh, yes. And the flat top? I beg your pardon? The protoceratops has come along to brush up on her plesiosaur dialect. Is that so? Well, you're in for a fine ride if you can hold your course and not let Lee Crab steer you after gold. <laughs> Oh, 
What I wanted to do with these adaptations was to do a radio series that stood on its own. So if you weren't familiar with the illustrated Dinotopia books, you'd still be able to visualize what's happening. But if you were familiar, then you'd have the illustrations to call forth in your mind. I faithfully followed the story so you can even listen to the audio while turning the pages of the book. This is for kids and adults. It's truly family entertainment. Well, within the caves, they come upon some strutters. These are mechanical dinosaurs with legs instead of wheels. They walk and run. They're powered by sunstones. Here, Arthur Strutter gets attacked by pterodosaurs. The convoy waded into a shallow river to mask their scent. Our strutters plodded along behind. I have a feeling we're being watched. We are. Do you feel that? This machine renders my senses quite useless. For all I know, we could be strutting into any kind of... Ambush! 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 Suddenly they were on us. Our strutters were being attacked, not just by tyrannosaurs, but also by allosaurs. Allosaurs? Shame on you! Bex! Why did they let the whole convoy pass except for us? Why? Well, I... Oh! Arthur, they're trying to surround us. Crab! Help us! Try to distract them! Where is he going? Crab! Help us, man! Uh, there's nothing I can do. They're going for blood, that's for sure. Crab, come back! Uh, well, you gotta be stupid to be a hero. Stupid and lucky. You be the hero, Professor. Let's see how you protect her now, huh? As Crab Strutter swam away, abandoning us, the Styracosaurs from the convoy did their best to sow confusion. Suddenly, a Tyrannosaur placed a heavy foot on my machine while I fumbled with the control handles. Bix, can you talk to these Tyrannosaurs? Well, I can try. Imolimomo! Niwaka! He said, we're in no mood to talk this over. With a cold fire in his eye, the Tyrannosaur's great jaws clamped onto the head of the strutter. Oh, no! And in a single swift movement, the dinosaur tore the head from the strutter and swung it away, shaking it like a broken puppet. Bix dove into the stowage cabin, popping her head out from the relative safety of the hatch. The headless strutter reared up on its back legs, flailing its front legs like a horse. For a moment, the tyrannosaur blinked and stepped back. Arthur, get us out of here! I'm trying, believe me. I kicked it into gear and shoved the handles forward. The strutter lunged ahead with tremendous energy. We dove headlong into the jungle. The strutter dodged and ducked through a maze of vegetation, galloping just ahead of the tyrannosaurs. Finally, they come upon a dinosaur that is even bigger than Tyrannosaurus rex. And such a thing actually did once exist. We came to the edge of a clearing. All at once, a Tyrannosaur turned to face us. But just as it did, an even bigger meat-eater came crashing out of the jungle and loomed above our heads. let out a ground-rattling roar so terrifying that the trees swayed and the Tyrannosaur cowered in submission. Oh, my goodness! Who is it, Bix? That stick-toothed, 
Stantol's father. He's protecting us. He's larger than Tyrannosaurus Rex. That makes him the king of kings. <laughs> Mercifully, the giant kept his mouth closed, watching over us in brooding silence. Rex, what is he doing? Waiting. What do we do? We wait. Suddenly, other theropods appeared. Stinktooth remained unquestionably in command. Jim Gurney has come out with a third illustrated book in the Steinotopia series, Journey to Chandara. It's beautiful, filled with wonderful illustrations. We haven't done an adaptation of this one, and I don't know that we ever will because it's kind of expensive to do. Tim Clark did some fine music for these stories. In fact, he's been going through the original music that you've been hearing, and will soon be releasing a CD's worth of music from Dinotopia and the world beneath. It'll be on MP3 for downloads only. And that's it. This is Meatball Fulton, www.zbs.org. cbs.org.